The Holy Gospel of our Savior, Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And all of his kingdom, there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has conceived a son, and this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren, for nothing is impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. The Annunciation scene is a familiar one when we come to the narrative of Christ's birth. The image of Mary and Gabriel together is not a difficult one to conjure. We've seen it year after year in Christmas pageants and is one of the most popular pieces of art to be de that depicts part of the Christian story. Throughout the centuries, dating all the way back to the fourth century, we've seen images of Mary and the angel Gabriel. This is where so much of the action starts for Christ's story. This extraordinary moment that is unique to the gospel of Luke, where Mary and Gabriel come together. The gospel of Matthew instead focuses on Joseph and the angel's annunciation to him. But Luke uniquely focuses us on the moment when Mary discovers she is to carry the child of God. This story in this moment has captured the imagination of Christianity throughout the ages. Mary as a character has been a huge part of the Christian faith, in some denominations more so than others. The adoration of the Virgin Mary is popular in many practices of Christianity. She becomes a model of being a faithful servant to God. She becomes, in many ways, the one to whom we look of how to be a servant of God. Because we hear in this gospel that she says that she is God's servant. But this gets painted in a very particular way by many artists and clergy and preachers and Christians. If you look at images of the Annunciation of Mary, you often see her depicted with a certain amount of timidness or meekness, fear of the angel, which is understandable, 
when a celestial being appears in your bedroom to tell you you bear the son of God, I might be scared too. You see her demonstrating beauty, grace, and this je ne sais quoi of faithfulness. Mary for women has often been the model of how to be a Christian woman. She says yes to being God's servant and carries Christ with faithfulness. But in so many ways, our understanding of the character of Mary has been a carefully crafted character, one born not just out of the scriptures, but out of what religion has wanted us to be, quiet, soft-spoken, faithful servants who will do what is asked of them. But look again at this story, the Annunciation to Mary. She is being asked to do perhaps the most difficult task, to be unwed, to be pregnant as a virgin, to be carrying the child of God in the midst of religious turmoil. She is not being asked to do something simple. She is not being asked to do the basic tasks of church work or being faithful to God or praying without ceasing, though that's not necessarily simple as we remember from last week. She's being asked to do something extraordinary, something that takes much more than timidness and faithfulness and unquestioning. She's asked to do something that takes boldness and courage. She says yes to God after questioning the angel, how can this be for I am a virgin? Based on my reading of the Annunciation, Mary looks less like that mother draped in blue with the serene smile on her face, carefully holding a child. She is not a model of sitting and being quiet or of meekness. She is the model of being outspoken and courageous and righteous in her faith. It would take a woman of extreme conviction to say yes to what God asks of Mary. What is extraordinary about the Gospel of Luke versus what we hear in the Gospel of Matthew or what's completely left out in John and Mark is that Mary is given voice. She is not the silent servant of God, but she is given agency and choice and language and participation in this story and what is happening to her, what is she is choosing to be a part of. And yet she's a young Jewish woman, not one who would normally have power or authority or agency, but she finds it and seizes it in this moment. The extraordinary witness of Mary is one who is usually told to be, stay in her place, rising with extraordinary power, speaking forth in spaces where she would normally be told to be silent, 
the extraordinary witness of Mary is giving a voice to the voiceless, is uplifting those who have been marginalized. Mary is rebellious and courageous. We might go so far as to call her spunky and willful. She is a model absolutely of how we are all called to be agents of God. This year, this extraordinary and difficult and unprecedented year has also been a year of giving voices to the voiceless, of giving voices to those who have been marginalized. As we have seen the evolution of Black Lives Matter, of raising up of those who have so often been told to be silent, for Black, Indigenous, and people of color, for those marginalized by their gender or their sexuality, for all of that and all of those peoples to be raised up in ways in which society has so often told them to stay back. We have had an extraordinary influx of voices and witnesses to a revolution of how we are called to be in the world. This year, so many people have joined with Mary in speaking out rather than being silent, a speaking for justice, for peace, for equality. This is part of what God has called for through the ages. Mary joins in a long line of prophets who are unexpected and yet extraordinary, whose voices ring out from places we do not usually turn to for authority. We've seen it just previously with John the Baptist crying out from the wilderness, we three see it throughout the Jewish scriptures. Moses and Noah and all of these peoples, they are unexpected. They are not those who necessarily sit in seats of authority and power. The example we see from Mary and from the prophets of the ages is that it is not always the established hierarchy or those who are in the seats of power, or those who we normally turn to to be the voices of reason and order that God will speak through. God will speak through just about anyone. And that very often, it is those who we are least likely to listen to who have the most prophetic voice in the room Mary finds her voice this morning. Mary finds her voice in the world, in the Annunciation, and in the story of Christ. She will not be silenced. She will not be timid. She will not just stand by. She is an active participant throughout the Gospels. We see her appearing with the disciples. We see her at the cross. Mary's 
love for Christ and love for God is not born in silence. If we are to learn from Mary in this, this reading, this morning, we are called to find our voice. We are called to listen for voices that are unexpected, to hear the note of holy that rings through them. Voices for the voiceless bring out what is true. And like Mary, may we be courageous, faithful, and perhaps even a little rebellious. For Mary models exactly what can feel so threatening to the church, to the establishment, but absolutely what is holy. That which shakes up what we expect. That is what it is to bear God into this world, to upturn everything that is expected, to break in and change all that we experience. That glimmer of hope, that ember of light, that is what we see today. And as we walk <clears throat> through the coming days, as we come to the brink of Christmas, as we journey into the manger, as we experience this season unlike any other, may we hold with us Mary's tenacity, her spirit, her spunk. For it is the spark of the Holy Spirit within her, guiding her forward courageously with God. Amen. We continue together on page eight of our bulletin, professing our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made, for us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshiped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. 
We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.